right? John said earlier that something about me being ADD. And that is true. So those of you, how many of you out there will say I'm ADD? Not me, but you. You would raise your hand and say you were ADD. Okay, there's a handful. Now, how many of you would say I'm ADD? Well, there's a lot more of those. Listen, I feel judged. I feel judged right now. And listen, I'm so ADD. We're going to recover some of the stuff that Buddy covered last week. Because I started studying the last portion of his message and was overwhelmed at how bad I am at it. Because I'm not able to stay focused, I found out that even in my walk, I don't stay real focused. So spiritually, I've got some ADD. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I wander away from that and not always able to stay focused. Now, how many of you are with me now might say that you're spiritually ADD? All right, a lot of hands. Almost all of y'all have the same problem that I do. So turn to Mark 8, and we're going to hit the passage that Buddy closed with last week and dive into it because it's all about being followers. Being followers, there's not going to be any screens up here today, so I will give you the blanks as we go along if I happen to remember. Listen, we love to follow. We're, we're kind of wired that way. We love to follow people. Most of us who have ever tried to diet didn't just diet. We went and bought a book on it or we asked a friend who had lost weight what they did because we love to follow people. But the truth is, we stink. We stink at following. How many of you have ever been on a diet? How many of you have ever failed? Or just the same hands. What's wrong with you people? We, we stink at following. We're not good at that. We've even got what we call a worship leader. Listen, I stand up here every week and find out that most of y'all are not following. Sometimes it's a timing issue. Sometimes it is a note issue. And sometimes it's just your issue. You're not singing at all. You know, you're not good at following. I'm not good at following. Some of you came in today, I guarantee you, especially those of you who are new, Came in today, you found out Buddy Bell wasn't going to be here. And you thought about leaving. Now, I know you think this because you follow people. I can't tell you the number of times Buddy's been out of town and somebody's come up to me and said, you know what, when I heard Buddy was out of town, I almost left. But I stayed. It's okay. It's It's all right. Please don't build me up too much. I'm a dagger. We follow people. It's the way that we're wired and we just kind of stink at it. I'm going to get everybody involved here. We're going to play Jesus Says. Remember Simon Says? Play Jesus Says. Everybody who can stand, stand up right now. Everybody who can stand, stand up right now. Jesus Says. Jesus Says, don't lie. Every one of you have ever told a lie, please be seated. We stink. We stink at following. I'd play it again because that could be that we just messed up once, but I've got a feeling that it's been a habit with a lot of us because we're not good at following. And this passage we're looking at today is really about following the leader. And our little headline says, Popular Rabbi Leads Millions to Be Executed. That's what we're following. See, Jesus didn't call us to follow in ease or in comfort or where it matches me. Listen, there's a lot in God's word that I can read and I go, oh, I love that. 
Oh, I'm comfortable with that. Oh, that makes sense to me. And then there's other stuff that I read and go, I'm glad that is for somebody else because I'm not any good at it. I'm not a great follower. I never have been. I've never been great at, at being obedient. I've never been great with authority. I've been asked several times in my life, Paul, do you have a problem with authority? And every time I've said, yes, a, a big problem. It's not easy for me. And I think it's not easy for most of us because we kind of stink at following. So we start out with what's called the great confession, verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked them, who do people say that I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. Verse 29, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone. Your first blank is to know leadership, K-N-O-W. Know leadership, know who you're following. Have it in mind who we're actually pursuing here. That we understand that we're actually pursuing and going after the very Son of God. That it's not to be taken lightly. In the process of following Jesus to a new destination, as they walked along the way, Jesus said, who do people say I am? What's some of the rumors? And he knew But he wanted to see how familiar they were, and they were very familiar. And then he says, but what's really important is not who they say I am, but who who you say I am. In other words, Jesus wanted to know, do you know me? Do you know who you're following? Do you know who you've given up everything for? Do you know who you're chasing from village to village to village? Do you really know me? Peter says, you're the Christ. And some of the other passages where it shows the confession says, for you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In other words, I know who I'm following. I'm not following blindly. I didn't just sign up because I didn't have anything else to do, but I'm following you. Verse 31, he then began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and the teachers of the law. Those were the big three. Those were the the governing body of, of spiritual life. That he must be killed and after three days must rise again. He spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. So the second blank is no leadership. N-O. No. No to leadership. We can actually know who Christ is and still say no to him. I mean, this, and what's so interesting about this is that this is in his presence. So many of us have often said, well, you know what? If I could actually follow Jesus step by step, it'd be so much easier. Peter's right with the Son of God and can't do it. And says no to his face. When Jesus says, here's what the plan is, Peter goes, no. No, uh uh-uh. I don't know how many of y'all have said no before in life and kind of gotten in trouble. I've kind of had a history of that too. One of the worst spankings that I ever received. And y'all know my mom, most of y'all in here. Y'all think I'm little. My mama is tiny. I mean, she's like this, like this tall. She's a little bitty. But don't think she doesn't have any power. That woman's got some power. One day we're in the kitchen. I remember this very clearly. And she said, Paul, I need you to take the trash out. I said, I will. You know how teens do. I will. Like, don't tell me to take the trash out. I know, I know I'm supposed to take the trash out. She said, I need you to take the trash out. 
I will. I get to it. She said, I need you to take the trash out now. I said, well, then take it out yourself. (laughs) Yeah, did not end well. Not only did I take out the trash, I was taken out. This was back in the day when you got to to be assigned your own punishment tool. I don't know if you remember this. Like, go get your belt. How many of you got assigned that? My grandmother was all about switches. What's up with that? How many of you remember the switch? Look at this. Hallelujah. Man, I, Mama B used to always go, go out there and get a switch. Now, what was funny about Mama B is that she could spank me all she wanted, but if anybody else laid a hand on me, she was upset. Isn't this weird how this happens? But she'd say, Paul, get out there and get a switch. Man, I was a great switch examiner. I knew exactly which ones would not work very well and would not sting. I'd come back in, she'd wave that around. She'd say, get back out there. Get back, get another one. I'd like have to bring back a sample pack of switches to find out what's going on here. Because I was, I was bad. I was used to saying no. And so even to Christ, we know him, but we say no. He says, don't lie. And we say no. He says, don't gossip. We say no. He says, don't do that. Don't live that way. We say no. It's not that we don't know him. It's just that we know him. So how do we follow the leader? I'm, I'm bad at it. So I studied it all week long. Couldn't find many loopholes. It's very discouraging. How do we actually follow Christ? Because he tells us exactly what we have to do if we're going to be his disciple. Remember, Jesus said, go and make disciples. Well, guess what? He expects. Expects us to be a disciple first. And so we, he's, he's challenged by Peter And it says, but when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, this scene is interesting because Jesus says this a couple of times in scripture where he, he uses the space to make the point even stronger. You remember the woman who came in and anointed his feet at the house of Simon? And Simon was upset and it says that he, he looked at the woman but spoke to Simon. You know, he engaged the woman. He wanted the woman to know he was for her. And he wanted Simon to know what he had done. Well, in this scene, Peter's taking him to the side. Everybody doesn't know what Peter's saying to him. It says that Jesus turned toward his disciples. And we don't know how many there were. It could have been the 12. It could have been 50. And Peter's now behind him. And he says, get behind me, Satan. For you don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. To turn your back on someone in that day was not like a compliment. And it was beyond pick your own switch. It's that I've turned my back on you. I'm not recognizing you. I'm not listening to you. When he said, get behind me, Satan, it's the same words that Jesus spoke in Matthew 4 when he was tempted by Satan. And he said, get behind me. Because I can't see you back there. And I'm not listening to you back there. I'm pushing you away. How many of us, when somebody's upset us, or we don't feel like we're getting our way, that we turn our back on them and we walk away. Why? Because we're saying we're not listening. I'm not paying attention. You have no, no place here. So imagine that crowd that kind of gets shocked to see Jesus turn his back on Peter, the one who says, I know you. I know who you are. But Jesus said, you said no to me. And when we say no, it's about being about Satan's business instead of being about God's business. 
So he says, you have in mind the things not of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd. Listen, he called the crowd. So it was more than 12. He called the crowd to him along with his disciples. And he said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. And whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it if a man will gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or, or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. So how do we follow the leader? How do we follow Jesus? He says, if you want to be my disciple, number one, first blank there under follow the leader, is deny. Deny yourself. We're just going to look at the passage. It won't be any like acrostic. Deny yourself. And what's interesting about this word is that usually we think about deny, meaning that we give something up. There's something in the way. And he's going to talk about that in a second, but that's not what this is. Deny here does not mean that I'm going to put something aside that I really want. Deny means that I don't know myself. So that when people ask about our identity, our identity is Christ and it's not us. So if we were on the witness stand and somebody said, tell me about yourself, we go, I don't know myself. What's your name? I don't know my name. I mean, that'd be weird, right? It's odd, but that's what God's calling us to, to deny knowing you and to accept knowing Christ. And it's tough because we are selfish. Most of us are very self-absorbed. Most of us align our life after us. I don't know how many of you have ever seen any of the, the video clips of Brian Reagan. He's like a comedian. Anybody seen, seen him? A handful. And he's got this one clip called the me monster. And he said, you'll notice how many times in your life you're going to meet the me monster. It might happen at a party. It might happen at work. And you might have a rough week. But it doesn't matter because the me monster is there. And he's going to make your week look like it was nothing. So you say, I had a rough week. I had to go in this week. I had gallbladder surgery. I had to get, had to get an appendage taken out. And the me monster will go, oh, really? Oh, that's rough. But I had a rough week too. I, I had a rough week. I, I, my week, my, my, me, 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 me. I amputated my head. I mean, you know, it ends up being all about me, right? Have you noticed that about somebody? You can have a problem, but suddenly their problem's bigger. They had a worse problem. And if you had something like you were near death, they, they died three times and came back. It's unbelievable. Because we're so self-absorbed and it's so about us that we get wrapped up in it. And Jesus says, I want uh, you to so lay yourself aside that you don't recognize you anymore. That you start living for me and you start living for everybody else. I mean, you think about the top two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor. As you love yourself. Says it begins with, with me. Not knowing you. It's, it's about knowing me. Deny yourself. Not be familiar with our identi your identity. But lose your identity in him. I don't find that easy guys. I don't. It's super hard. I like my stuff. I love 
to do what I want to do. I love it. But he's asking me to not become so familiar with me, but to become so familiar with him and his identity that I start doing the very things that he does because I've lost myself. I struggle with that. But he says if we want to be his disciples, if we want to really know him, it's what we do. So when we deny ourselves, if we've been hurt, guess what? We let go of the hurt. When we've been injured, we let go of the injury and we don't keep telling everybody about it and we don't keep claiming it and we don't keep talking about how they did me and how I was injured and how I was hurt because it's not about us. It's not. So he says, let's deny ourselves. Then secondly, second blank, take up your cross. I think we see where we're going here, right? No, no hidden details of these blanks. Take up your cross. The cross here is a tool of execution. The Romans would have the ones who, who had been relegated to the cross, those who were sentenced to the cross, they didn't just show up at the hill. But as we saw in like the Passion of the Christ or any movie about Christ, it started in the city. And they were strapped to their cross and they carried their device of execution around with them. The main reason was so that everybody would know they were guilty. The second reason is so everybody would know they were under Rome's authority, under Rome's thumb. And Rome used them as an example. And so when Christ says, I want you to take up your cross, is he says, I want everybody to witness that you are dying to yourself and that you are under my authority. The cross here is not a problem. The cross here is not a bad day. The cross here is not, I hate my life. The cross here is, I can't stand my spouse. The cross here is not, I can't stand my job. And we usually say stuff like that. Something goes wrong. We go, we all got a, we all got a cross to bear. That's, that's too light. It disregards scripture when we say, We've all, I've all got my, cross, got my cross to bear. I had a bad day. We got a cross to bear. That's not the cross. The cross kills you. The cross is not something we survive. The cross was not meant to be survived. Nobody went, man, sentencing. <laughs> Hope I get the cross. Hope I get the cross. Man, that's going to be so much easier on me if I get that cross instead of that flogging. Man, I don't want the flogging. Hope I get the cross. Nobody wanted the cross. Because you didn't survive the cross. Because the goal of the cross was utter humiliation. The goal of the cross was for you to walk with your execution device through town to the hill where you, instead of being nailed to make it quicker, you were strapped and you were hung out in the open until you died. And it wasn't pleasant, and it wasn't a bad day, and it wasn't my life in good. It was death. So Christ says, if you want to be my disciple, I want you to take your cross up. I want you to know that my goal for you is to not just to deny yourself, but my goal for you is to die to yourself. It's hard for me. I like me. I like my life. I like my stuff. 
people like my vices. Like that. He says, "Mm, sorry, Paul. I want you to take up your cross. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to tie you to it. It's not like the Romans where it was no choice. He says, I want you to decide. I want you to decide to take your cross up. Mm. Then he says, I want you to follow me. Next, he says, take up your cross and follow me. If there's any good news so far, this is it. In other words, he's saying, you're not going alone. You're taking up my cross. I've already got my cross. I'm leading the way. I'm willing to die first. I'm willing to be executed first because he knew what was on the other side of execution. The very thing that Peter says, I don't want you talking about. He knew that in three days he was going to rise. And Jesus knows that if we're willing to die, that we're going to rise. That when we're buried with him, when we're baptized, and scripture says you rise up to a new life. Do we die to the old life? We rise up to the new life. We're this new creation. So he says, I want you to put you to death, but I don't want you to stay dead. It's not his plan. But he says, follow me. I've taken the steps first. You know, the passage that says that Jesus Christ faced every temptation just like we did. So that there would be that empathy and there would be that connection and there would be the knowledge that he took those steps first. And I always find that easier. You know, I always had the biggest problem with authority when the authority figure wanted to tell me something to do that they wouldn't do themselves. They want to tell me how to live, but they wouldn't live it themselves. Now that always bothered me. But we don't get to say that with Christ. Because he says, follow me. He didn't say, hey, the hill's that way, good luck. He says, follow me, I've got the cross already, come with me. And so we walk with him together. And then finally, when he says, in in a collective verses, when he says, what good's if a man gains gains the whole world but loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone's ashamed of me and my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed. The last blank is really crucifixion. It's crucifixion. He says, be willing to lose your life in order to gain your life. Be willing to give up in order to, to rise up. And so it's a beautiful picture, but it's just not a picture that's easy to get to. I don't find it easy to get there at all. So when he says, follow me, 1 John 2, 6 says, whoever claims him must walk as Jesus walked. So we walk with him and then we're, we're crucified with him. It was a, a song that we sang in youth group, Galatians 2, 20. I don't know if y'all ever remember this version, but it was, um, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. Can't hit that. And gave himself for me. Anybody remember that song? A handful? Yeah. It sounded so peppy. I've been crucified with Christ. (laughs) Wow. It's weird how we can take a rough message and make a peppy tune with it. You know, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I died, but I live. But it's not me. It's Christ that lives in me. So the life that I now live in the flesh... I live by the faith, by the belief in, by the following of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
That's how Paul was able to write in Philippians 1.21. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. For me to be alive is Christ to be alive. And we stink at following. We do. We stink at it. But it doesn't mean that we quit. And it doesn't mean that we give up. It doesn't mean just because I failed at dieting a thousand times that I'm not going to have the belief that I'm going to succeed one day. And just because I fail, fail as a follower, it doesn't mean that I give up on following him. And it certainly doesn't mean that he's given up on wanting me to follow. You know, God's never said, Paul, you stink at following. Why don't you quit? You're embarrassing me. You need to stop it. He says, no, just keep following. Keep pulling the cross or dragging the cross or however you have to, to get there. Keep going. But it all begins if we're going to deny. So that's the question this morning. Do we need to deny? Do you need to deny yourself? Is that the first stop? Because you've never really done that. It's always been about you. And quite frankly, right now, it, uh, it's about you. If we were to ask your family who you live for, they would say, you. So it begins by denying ourselves. Maybe that's your spot. But he also says we've got to die to ourselves, And maybe that's your spot too. It's my spot. I've died to some, but have I really died to all? But some of us may not have died at all. And that's what baptism represents. He says that just as Christ died, the death, burial, and resurrection, the baptism says that we're going to die, we're going to be buried, we're going to be resurrected with him. And maybe today's your day to say, I want a brand new life. I want to be new with him. I want the old to be gone. I want the new to come. Or maybe today you just stink at following And you want to have somebody pray with you or somebody come alongside you because you feel like you're carrying your cross alone. And it's not easy because living for him is not easy. It's not simple. It's not rote. You can't just read a book about it and three simple steps to follow in the Lord. It doesn't work that way. It's hard. And if I had to live for him alone, I'm not sure that I'd make it. But I've got you guys. And some of you I've got extremely close in my life. It makes it extremely easy to face some days. And other days where I have to pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm struggling today. It's a rough day. But maybe some of you feel completely alone in your journey. Even if you're not sitting by yourself in a pew, but you feel alone. Sometimes the loneliest place we could ever be is in a crowd. And maybe you feel that way this morning. And you've got a group, a body of believers who wants to support you and love you and say, you don't have to to take this journey alone. You don't have to follow Christ alone. We're going the same place. You don't have to go alone. I stink as a follower. How about you? But the great thing is, he doesn't give up on us. And he keeps calling us. And he keeps cheering us. And he keeps loving us. So if you've got any need this morning, you want us to pray about, if you want to be saved this morning, if you want to celebrate and praise somebody this morning for being the one who goes with you as you follow Christ, whatever need you have this morning, won't you come sing together? And we'll be waiting on the front row if you've got any need and we'll pray for you. Let's stand together.